One of the most gifted players in Kilmarnock Football Club's 150-year history, Scotland international winger Tommy McLean played a crucial role in Ayrshire's finest ever team at the age of just 17. In the Killy History's Big Match 1965 special, I talked to iconic Kilmarnock players about their role in that most famous of teams. Early in 1964-65, Kilmarnock endured a tough evening in Germany in the European Fairs Cup, losing 3-0 to the legendary Eintracht Frankfurt. Early in the return match, it was 4-0. What happened next is unscriptable. I'm Gordon Gillen, and this is Tommy McLean's Big Match. A 17-year-old making his debut against European giants in September 1964 surprised many of the rugby park faithful. But it wasn't just the fans caught off guard by Willie Waddle's decision. It was just a case of all players report on the night at uh, rugby park because we had lost 3-0 in the first game. And it was one that I don't think he held out much hope. I was surprised that I'd get a debut because he just came into the dressing room and he, he read out numbers 1 to 11 and McLean was at 7 and everybody looked at me because it was such a surprise. It was out of the blue, Kenny. He kept the pressure off me because it was one that he would take the pressure, Ken, rather than throw a young lad in for the, the hang of it type of thing. But he didn't give me any inclination that I was playing. It was just a case of up on the notice board. It was all players report to Rugby Park at day 6.30. Then he came in and he just threw his jacket on the one of the rails and read out the team because there wasn't a lot of tactics in the days and we was losing the first game see nothing I don't think he held out much hope I think it was just a case he can play the young for years without any responsibility on him that's fascinating because I would have thought it would be a case of the week leading up to it and, and doing the tactical side and but nothing like that at all no there was no tactics it was just a case of get out and go on with it the summer cup was Hibs in the semi-final I think we got to and I played at Rugby Park and in the first game, so that was my debut. He'd been in, in among the first team, and then I played in the, the second leg at Easter Road, and we get beat three nothing. And I was terrible in that game, so Wally Woodle put me back in the reserves for the start of the next season. And it wasn't until the Eintracht game that I reared my head again with the first team. Nothing but respect for Wally Woodle and how he handled me, because you know he handled me at uh, Kilmarnock, and then he took me to Rangers. Later on, you know, because he knew how I, I worked and I knew how he worked. So it was a, it was mutually beneficial to both of us. There was no inclination. I didn't give my brothers or my mother or father any inclination that I would be playing. It was just a case of report to the rugby park at 6.30. Incidentally, there are four members of the Eintracht team still playing. We played against Real Madrid. Here's the inside left going through. A great shot and it's a magnificent goal. A magnificent goal by Hubert. The inside left from all of 25 yards. Well, we lost the first goal in three minutes to make it 4 nothing. So it was just a case of we had nothing to lose. We went for broke and we got two goals prior to half time. It was a wild wet night and the Germans didn't like it. So we sensed a wee opportunity arising. There wasn't much tactical side of it, but you did go straight for them. Oh, aye, the, the Scots, Scotsmen were, 
that way inclined, you know. They had nothing to lose at that time, Ken, because that, that was us 4 nothing down. Eintracht played Real Madrid, I think, four or five years prior to that. That was the game that everybody talks about, the 7-3 game. But that year, Eintracht had beat the Rangers, I think, 7-4 in aggregate or 7-2 in aggregate in the, in the Cup. So the, the Germans were a top-class team and it was a right surprise us, us overcoming them. It was one of these things, you know, when you've got the wind at your back, you know, you can sort of put pressure on the opposition. And we managed, we ain't tried scoring early. We managed to put the pressure on them and scored two quick goals to go 2-1 ahead. 12 minutes played. Kelly's still 1-0 down and, of course, 4-0 down on aggregate. Sneddon. McAnally. Tried a short one, off an arm there, it's in, but he's not giving it, he's giving a goal. Scored by Ronnie Hamilton. Quite a sensational goal there by the centre forward after 12 minutes. King, well into the German half. McAnally, out to McLean. A low cross. Missed there, and the centre forward! A tremendous goal there! And the scorer... Brian McElroy! Outside left, Brian McElroy! Thunderous applause for that goal in the 16th minute! And in the second half, we were kicking with the wind, you know, so that... The Germans were against the, the, the Kosh a wee bit. Surprise us all when the Germans capitulated a wee bit. With your, your managerial hat on, maybe, <laughs> as well, just thinking about because obviously you had that fantastic managerial career as well. What would you have said to a team going into a game 3-0 down in the first leg? Well, it was a case of you, know, you had to get your reputation back. It was 90 minutes you had to, to play them at home and you had to try and build up your own reputation rather than get another 3-0 defeat which it could easily have been, you know, if we'd have capitulated after the first goal, but the character of the team said, let's have a go here and see what can happen, and, and we, we got the breaks, there's no doubt we got the breaks on the night, and we got the goals at the right time, so the timing of the goals was important, as well as the conditions. Rory with the kick, even left back, McFadden's up for it, and he's in position, and he's headed it into the net, a sensational third goal for Kilmarnock, headed into the net, by left back Jim McFadden after five minutes of the second half and listen to the crowd roar. McElroy, dangerous one. And there's McAnally with a fourth goal for Kilmarnock with ten minutes left for play. Short one, and it's a ball! <laughs> Referee Adair taking his watch out now to look at it.
sporting handshakes by the players and a tremendous invasion of the pitch on this historic night on Rainswept Rugby Park. Yeah, I remember that at the end. I was carried shoulder high off the park because it was one of the, you know, I got a lot of credit, but I was just one of the 11 players that played played that night and uh, we gained a good reputation in doing that. If you weren't there at the game, then you maybe can't pick up from the video this idea of yeah. it being such a ho- like a horrible night and maybe that playing a part. I don't think they fancied it. Do you think that they thought it was done? Well, I think they, with them scoring the goal early, they thought that, that what, was, what was done and they wanted things their own way. Well, man, it's up attitude, one in the end. The Scottish Championship last game decider of April 1965 left Kilmarnock with a huge task. A minimum of a two-goal away victory was required, if the Ayrshiremen were to seal the league on goal average. I asked Tommy McLean to consider what made that Kilmarnock team of 1964-65 so successful. When we went to Tynecastle, we were written off there, you know, you had to go there and win 2 nothing, And it was mentioned prior to the game, you know, because, as I said, Willie Wardle wasn't a tactician. He was a, a man-manager type of thing. He would round everybody individually. And he mentioned to me, we need another line track from you. You know, because the odds were against us in that game. Davy Sneddon scored a goal in the, the Hearts game, and Davy wasn't noted for scoring with his head, but to get into the position he got himself into, it was with the words that Willie Waddle told him to get forward, get further forward than he normally played, because Davy was mainly a midfield player. But in that game, he was told to go further forward. You know, mainly, mainly it was McAnally on the right hand side, Brian McElroy on the left hand side. And a striker. I mean, I was I was a right winger, but I was nearly a deep line right winger. And Davy Sneddon was the other midfielder along with Eric Murray. It was the same going into the the Hearts game. You know, it was the, the you have nothing to lose, and it was the character of the, of the the people that we had because in that there was winners like Frank Beatty, Jackie McGrory, Eric Murray, Andy King. You know, there was a lot of experience in that team. Jackie McAnally, you know, and and Bertie Black up front. But the names that came to you first were the defenders. Were you just going through the team kind of one to eleven idea, or did well, you think your defence was? Basically, in any any football team, you've got to have a base, and, and that's a sound solid defence, and that's what Kilmarnock had, and it stood them in good stead because you know throughout that season it was a it was a great season. Who was a player on that team you thought this is this is a player I'm really lucky to be playing alongside? Well, I always had a good reputation with Brian McElroy. You know, he was outside left in that team. It was strange because. From that game and then at the end of that season we beat Hearts in the league championship and there was only three changes from the, the Eintracht game to the Hearts game because Jim McFadden played against the Eintracht, Ronnie Hamilton played centre forward and Campbell Forsyth was the goalkeeper. They were the three that was replaced. Well, it was a great team spirit. Basically that season that we won the league, I think there was a maximum of 16 players played throughout the season. So it wasn't as if anybody would go in the half if they were dropped. It was mainly injury that put you out of the team. You were saying, Tommy, that it would either have been Bertie Black or Davies, uh, or Ronnie, Ronnie Hampton. So yeah, Ronnie Hampton up front. In terms of the style of play, who fitted better in with, with your style of play or was it very much, I'll just play with anyone, I can adapt to anyone's game? It was playing with anyone because it's the thing, normally we went for big strikers, but most of them were small hmm. and they were quick. And normally centre halves like playing against big fellas, but the wee fellas they had problems with. Yeah, it was all a nothing game for us, you know. In that 
thing and the odds were stacked heavily against us because Hearts were a good team. Hearts were the firm favourites, but the character that, that that was in the Kilmarnock team shouldn't have been overlooked kind of a thing, you know, because in that team there was a lot of winners that you know, that you call competitors. Good competitors like Frank Beatty, Jackie McGrory, Andy King, Matt Watson, Eric Murray. You know, they, these, these are the guys that had grit and determination about them. The skill factor was possibly myself and Davy Snedden and the midfield, you know, along with Eric Murray. And then you've got the goal scoring of Brian McElroy, Jackie McAnally and Bertie Black and Ronnie. You know, because if you look at the goals during the season, they would be the main ones scoring the goals. I know it was different at that time in terms of media coverage, but I'm just wondering if Kilmarnock had finished second, I think, four times out of five in the 60s. Did the team feel any pressure going into that Hearts game? The likes of me, Ken, I, I didn't get any pressure on me, you know, because Waddle sort of tried to keep the, the pressure off me, you know, and allowed me just to play the game, and it was the, the spirit of the youth, if you know what I mean, you know, the youth in me. Didn't make me excite, over-excitable in these games? You know, because sometimes excitement can get to you. But, you know, the, the big games, you know, I tended to play reasonably well in, you know, was the, the Eintracht, the Hearts league winning team, and also the Real Madrid game, you know, where we played Real Madrid after winning the league. After seeing off Albanian opponents in the preliminary round of the 1965-66 European Cup, Scotland's champions faced the toughest of all games, Real Madrid. And, not for the first time in this series, it's the galloping major we see on the horizon. Abiding memory of that was I played against my football hero Puskas at Rugby Park. He was my favourite player, if you know what I mean. And he played at Rugby Park there. And I managed to score a goal in the 2 2 game. Scored a penalty kick mm. against the goalkeeper Betancourt. He got his hand to it and it went in the side netting. But then in the replay, I got a penalty kick over in the Bernabeu and I missed it. I tried to go to the same corner and the, the lad saved it and he pointed the finger to me and he says, no, you're not getting away with it this time. So it was funny, funny in a sense, you know, that they, they, they saved the, the penalty kick. What does it take as a really young young man to decide I'm going to be on taking the penalty kicks against Real Madrid? That's the thing that I'm talking about. The, the fear of the youth was the in you there. You didn't realise the responsibility that was being tossed onto you. It was just a case of get out and play and play your best. So for Waddle to give me the confidence to go and take the penalty kicks, it was mainly him that did that, you know, because I, I took them in the reserve team, you know. Would Willie Waddle have watched the reserve team games? Got reports on them? Oh, you... I, he, he would, him and Norrie McNeil would, you know, would be confabbing you know, about how I played kind of a thing you know they, he was always interested in the reserves because the other thing regarding that championship winning team Kilmarnock won the reserve league cup that year and I played at Tynecastle on the Saturday but I played with the reserves on the Monday or the Tuesday whenever that game was played when, the, when we won the reserve league cup well I will give you a pat in the back that you're in the reserves for the next game <laughs> <laughs> reserve team football would have been quite a significant thing though in, yeah. you know, at that point Yes, it was. It was a big thing then. What would the role of the reserve team have, the reserve league have been? I'm just thinking for fans who maybe don't, who maybe think of reserve team football now as being something slightly different. What was well, the benefit? Back then, it was a combination of part time. You know, there was certain players that were, were only part time, and there was certain players full time. You were restricted in the number of full time players, whereas nowadays you're, there's an overabundance of full time players. But back then, it was sort of half and half, if you know what I mean. I think that's something that's really come across that surprised me 
not the number. I knew there was part-time football at that point, but the significance of of actually having good quality full-time players and and maybe the fact that some players who were part-time, it maybe held them back a wee bit. Yes, well, when I came into the team, you know, there was experienced players like Willie Toner. Willie Toner played, Ian Davidson played, Pat O'Connor, Joe Mason, Ernie Yard. You know, all these were, were playing in the reserve team, you know, so these were experienced players. And I didn't realise that, that there was that crossover with Willie Toner. Aye. Yeah, he was there because Billy Dixon and I went and Willie Toner, it was Billy Dixon that took Willie Toner's place because Billy Dixon was a centre-half as a, as a youngster. In their own right, some legendary Kilmarnock players that were on their way out. They were getting moved. Ian Davidson, I think, went south. Pat Connor, I think, went south. Ernie Yard went south. Joe Mason went to Morton. Tommy McLean's time at Kilmarnock spanned seven years and the best part of 300 games, with a 1-4 scoring record. However, the club's changing fortunes led to a move away in 1971. The biggest problem I had at Kilmarnock was when they went part-time. They were sort of sifting off players and selling players willy-nilly, kind of thing. And then they eventually went part-time and went down the lower divisions for two or three years. Mm. So it was important that I had to get out and remain full-time. You know, because there was too many players, in my opinion, getting sold for willy-nilly. That's very interesting, Tommy, because I was... Also, I've spoken to George Maxwell. I don't know if you share this opinion, but he was reflecting on the fact that I don't think maybe people realised at the time just how significant it was that change to part-time football in terms of the direction of the football club. Yes. It was it was terrible because I was bothering on the Scotland team at that time. And the thing that, that a lot of people don't recognise is I got six caps and the six caps were with Kilmarnock. I never got any caps with Rangers. Normally it's all the other way around, but my caps came from playing at Kilmarnock, which I'm proud of, you know, because it's a provincial club, and to play for Scotland, because at that time there was Willie Henderson and Jimmy Johnson, who were very important players for Scotland. It was a strange one, because when I signed for Rangers, it was over in Denmark. I was with Scotland, and we were playing Denmark in an end-of-season game, and Willie Waddle and Walter McRae came across... They agreed the transfer fee because they had rejected two bids prior to it because Kilmarnock were trying to get as much money as they can, but Rangers knew Kilmarnock were struggling to go part-time, so they were trying to get it low, so they were haggling the two. Eventually there was a deal reached and they, they came across to Copenhagen to get me to sign. The question that they ask about me is, what player, what Scottish player was transferred from one Scottish club to another club that made his debut for a third club, which was Scotland, in a foreign country? What a privilege to have spoken with Tommy McLean about the greatest comeback in Scottish football history. An entertainer, a creator, a Scottish football legend. My thanks to him. The Killy Histories Big Match series is a Killy Trust project which has received fantastic backing from the Kilmarnock Football Club Former Players Association. You can find previous episodes on Podbean, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Keep an eye on our social media and website for news of future interviews. The theme music, Clear Progress, by scottholmesmusic.com is used under free Creative Commons licence. I'm Gordon Gillen. See you next time.
that's the main thing is trying to get across how important Kilmarnock meant to me, you know. I was good for Kilmarnock, but Kilmarnock was good for me.